if you're going to follow along in your Bible, I'm going to begin uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 26, which is towards the end of 1 Samuel. But we're going to be flying pretty quick. We're going to fly a plane over uh, the end of Samuel because we'll, we'll finish that today. Let me just say as a, just a kind of a, a, a bit of an announcement piece is uh, next week, when we gather to worship, uh, uh, Jason, next week is, is uh, crossover, right? I don't, okay, I didn't want to make that announcement. It would be the wrong week. Uh, next week is uh, crossover Sunday. And so, so what that means for, for you and I in this room is um, we will still gather here, uh, your first service, so we'll still gather here at the same time. Uh, but instead of gathering for song and, and, and a prayer circle and, and reading of the word, we're going to gather uh, to, to have a, a moment of prayer. And then we're going to spread into the community and serve our community and being the hands and feet of Christ. And you're like, yeah, Jesse, that doesn't sound like worship. It, it is. It's, it's a chance to, to go and maybe be with people who can't be in the building. Uh, and it's a chance to serve in very tangible ways. And so uh, I would invite you to be a part of that. Please, please don't be, be scared of that. There will be things to do in the community. There will be some things that we're going to do in this room that are going to serve uh, in, in other capacities. So there's plenty of, of things to do. But the, the prayer is, and what I would invite you to be praying about this week, is that um, by, the, by the time we're finished doing this, the task that we will have accomplished more than the task. Um, the task is is something momentary. It's something finite. It's you know doing yard work. Well, the weeds are going to grow back, Jesse. You're right, but but there's something something eternal that can happen, and the, that's going to be the conversations that we have with folks. Uh, many of our community groups have already identified the projects that they want to be doing, and so these will be projects that we're going to announce next week. But it, we're talking. Uh, so, some of these are just widows who are at home and just struggling to kind of keep the house in order, stuff of that nature. So uh, I would just invite you to be in prayer about that and just. Just understand that that's our heart, that, that we would go and serve in the name of Jesus, and in doing so, do more than the task. We would magnify his name as well. We're in the series uh, it, that we're going to uh, continue today. It's uh, called David, Heart, Flaws, and All. Uh, I'm not going to introduce the series too much because everything we're going to cover today is, in a way, an introduction of it. Uh, when I started the series, my intention was is to like maybe do five, six weeks top on David uh, because I think it's a, it's a good character study. Well, we're on week seven today, um, and I've got another five or six weeks in the, in the bank. Like There's more to, to come, uh, but, but it just didn't happen the way that I expected it to. It just is the way that it is. So just, just for those of you who have been with us, uh, maybe since the beginning or near it, uh, and invested in this series, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, um, we're going to land the plane on David uh, today. Then we're going to spend a few weeks uh, studying some other things, and then we're going to come back for like, maybe, maybe this is like a season finale on David, and then we'll have a season two of David, because we're going to end today, spoiler alert, uh, David becomes king today, finally, after seven weeks of studying him. And then uh, next time when we come back to David, maybe it'll be a few months from now, when we come back from David, uh, we'll see how kinging works for him. And uh, it, it has a certain amount of chaos as well. The reason for doing that, you may, you may like, well, Jessica, why don't we just plow through? Well, why don't we just continue with David? Because here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to have crossover Sunday next week, followed by... Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, a lot of people have been thinking, there's, there are people right now in their homes thinking, I need to get back in church. I need to, I need to make this a priority. I need to do this for my family. They, they want to be here. Uh, and then they're going to come with their family on Sunday, and they're going to make a commitment to, to make a few weeks. And, and here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to be, you know, you know when someone recommends to you a TV show, and you like pick up on episode 12, and you have no idea who the characters are? Why would I know that we're going to have ever how many new families, and just like, yeah, and now we're on episode 12. 
12 of David. No, no, uh, we're going we're gonna to do some other things, right? Uh, and then we'll come back to David uh, after that. Um, in, in Matthew, or excuse me, in 1 Samuel 26, um, we are now in a, a space that is going to sound extremely familiar if you've been following along. You know David uh, has this problem with Saul. Uh, Saul is the current king of Israel, but David is the the currently anointed king of Israel, meaning he's going to be the next king. It's just a matter of time before David becomes king, but he's in that in-between moment. And Saul has has threatened David. Saul has chased David. Uh, David and Saul had this moment in the cave, you may you may remember. And and then David just left. Uh, he, he, he's like, hey, Saul, please stop chasing me. And Saul's like, I'm so sorry, David. I, I shouldn't do that. I'm a bad guy. I'm going to leave you alone. And he promises to leave him alone. And so we're picking up now at the end of what we did last week, uh, where uh, David uh, goes up against that man named, named old dummy head, uh, Nabal. Uh, really, his name means fool. His parents named him fool. So dummy head is a, is a good nickname for him. Uh, and he's just finished that. And uh, chapter 26, verse 1 says, then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gebeah, saying, Is not David hiding himself on the hill of uh, Hakila, uh, which is on the east of uh, Jeshimon? This is the second time the Ziphites have come and said, Hey, Saul, I know where David is. Why don't you go, go get him real quick? Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta love people that are in your corner in that way. And it says, uh, so Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. He, he grabbed these guys and he's ready to go and, and attack David again for the second time. And you're probably thinking to yourself, haven't we already covered that? Uh, haven't we already gone through the story? It's the same story repeating itself. Again and again. This entire message, just, just to tell you where I'm going, this entire message is for those of us in here who we, we want to make the Lord a priority and, and we want to make decisions that reflect his love of us and we want to make decisions that reflect our trust in him. Um, but then we, we take a step forward and then something chaotic happens right in front of us. And it's like, I took a step forward and now I'm taking a step back. Am I the only one who's had that moment where the Lord is like, okay, I'm, I'm finally taking them seriously, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read, and I'm going to do this, and family, we're going to do blank. And we all take that step forward for blank, and as soon as you do, the whole world comes caving down around you. It's like, why did I even try? Why, why did I even try? I want to I l- give this message as a gift to anybody in this room who's been in that position where you're just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of following the Lord. I'm tired of the chaos that's around. I don't understand why I can trust God and then end up in these moments where my life seems untrustworthy and unsafe. How is it possible that people say that the Lord is safe and good, but my life has these moments of chaos? David is just trying to follow the Lord. He's doing nothing wrong to Saul. And some people are like, hey, Saul, he's in the wilderness. And now Saul is on the hunt again. David David has to be frustrated at this moment. Uh, if we can put that timeline up real quick, just to remind everybody, uh, we're in this 10-year gap uh, between David defeating Goliath, which is one of the most famous stories of David, and David becoming king. By the time we finish today, David will become king. And so this 10-year gap, we're at the, the back end of it. We're like on year eight or so of it. David has just been running this whole time, and again and again, his life goes into chaos. And so here we are again. Saul is going to, to chase David. I'm going to skip down to verse 8. 
Because what's happened is uh, David has found out that Saul is like nearby. Uh, and so, so David says, hey, guys, uh, would any of you volunteer? Let's go like sneak into the camp and go check on, on Saul. And so one of his boys was like, hey, I'll go. This is, this is hilarious. He's got, he's got, a, he's got a, a ride or die friend that's going to just like, yeah, okay, we're going to go into this camp of the guy who's trying to kill us all. And in verse 8, it says, uh, let's see here. It says, then Abishai, that's the, the guy who went with David, said to David, God has given you your enemy into your hand this day. Now, that, this is a good friend. He means well, but God did not give Saul as, you know, his enemy. What, what Abishai wants to do is like, David, just like, kill him. He's asleep. They've snuck in real quietly and he's asleep. His spear is right there and everything. It says, it says uh, now please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear and I will not strike him twice. You got to love the, the courage. This is, this is like some man talk right here. You're like, yeah, there were two hits. I hit him and he hit the ground. You know, like some guy kind of bragging like that. He's like, I'm telling you right now, David, if you give me the word, just I'll stick him to the ground. Um, you may remember uh, the last time that, or maybe maybe earlier before that, actually, when, when Saul was like in the house with David and he kept throwing a spear at David three times, Saul threw his spear at David. Uh, and, it, and scripture says that Saul's plan was to just pin David to the wall, which is bizarre to me. I'm going to like pin him through the sleeve of his, his you know, cloak to, to the wall. More likely he's going to kill him. I think that kind of hanging out in the wilderness, all of Dave and his boys are just, you know, they're telling stories. He's like, you'll never believe what Saul did to me. He kept trying to pin me to the wall with a with his own spear. And I think that's why Abishai is saying this. He's saying, hey, if you let me, David, just give me the word. I'll pin him to the ground, just like he was going to do to you, with the same spear. And so it says uh, in verse 9, But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the water, uh, jar of water from Saul's head, and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. They've snuck into Saul's camp. He has a spear. He has his water. Oh, boy's like, let me just pin him to the ground, David. We'll take care of this right now. And they have this whole conversation with the sleeping army nearby. Uh, and David, David repeats what he said last time this happened. He's like, no, no, this isn't my job. I'm going to let the Lord handle this. Now, pause real quick. If, if you were here last week, this is a very different David than what we saw last week, who was ready to go murder a man for dishonoring his name, right? Like he, he's, he has a little bit of like gangster in him, and then he has a little bit of like, I love the Lord in him as well. And so, uh, he's, he's a complex character. Uh, and he says, no, I'm, I'm not going to. This is, this is the Lord's business. I don't know how the Lord's going to take care of it. Maybe Saul's going to die in battle. Maybe Saul's going to run away. I don't know. I just know that the Lord is going to take care of it. Very spiritual, right? Very Christian response. And then he does a little grand larceny. He's like, hey, grab that spear. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so so they, he takes the spear and he grabs the jar of water, which is something you really want to keep close by if you're in the desert, which is where they are. You wake up, your mouth is dry. Where's my water? Well, David stole it. That's where your water is. And so David has now the jar of water and the spear. He runs to another mountaintop nearby. Uh, the way the way that the terrain is, it's, it's kind of sloped and it's, it's not far. It'd be like from here to Monroe is one cliff to the next cliff. It's not far. I could 
yell that far, but it's a whole lot of walking downhill, a whole lot of walking uphill. And so he's far enough where he feels safe and he has the spear and he has the jar of water and he starts yelling back into the camp, nanner, nanner, boo, boo, I have your stuff. And they all wake up. Uh, there's a guy who's supposed to be protecting uh, Saul at this moment. His name is Abner. Uh, David knows Abner from the Goliath days. Like they've met and they know each other. He's like, hey, Abner, what you been sleeping about? And he's like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, hey, somebody snuck in and stole a spear. And he kind of like waves it around. Uh, he, he taunts them from afar. I, 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 like, I like that you can have a spiritual moment and still get a little in the flesh and, and, and do that. Um, the, the thing about the spear, too, I, I feel like David may have stole it because he got tired of that sucker being thrown at him. You know, <laughs> Three times he knows what that spear looks like because it's like flies by his head as he's dodging it earlier in his life. Uh, and now he has the spear and he basically tells them uh, in this taunting, like, you know, I could have, I could have killed you again. I could have done this. Abner, you should have protected him. You didn't. You're a worthless man. Um, but the, the Lord says, I'm not going to chase you. And Saul's like, you're right. I'm sorry again. He apologizes again. Saul apologizes again. And, and he leaves. He goes back home. But David, on the other hand, uh, he's still, he's not feeling safe. And so I'm going to fast forward. We're going to go uh, down to chapter 27. And it says this, verse 1. Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose, and he went over, he and 600 men who were with him, to Achish the son of Maok, king of Gath. Um, both times uh, Saul tried to hurt David, David decided, I can't, I can't be around this guy anymore. I got to get away. Both times he went to the Philistines. Both times he went to the king of Gath, which is where Goliath is from. He's going to that homeland. You may remember several weeks ago when we covered this, that he went there. They started singing that song about him. And they're like, oh, they know who I am. And he pretended to be insane. Scripture says that he had spittle hanging from his beard that day. He's like, I got to get out of here. Uh, by the way, that week that I taught that, I had at least two people tell me that they turned off the live stream when I talked about the spittle. I'm sorry. Please like, hang, hang on to the live stream. Uh, now he's back. Uh, it's still the, the king of Gath. It's Achish. It's most likely the, the son of the last king that he talked to. It's not, it's not likely to be the same person. But he goes to this guy and he says, I'm going to live with the Philistines. I'm going to live with the enemy for a while because you and I watch enough war movies to know the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And though I killed the Philistine champion Goliath, right now my enemy isn't the Philistines. Right now my enemy is Saul. He's dangerous. I'm going to go over here. And so him and 600 people uh, went with him. And it says, And David lived with Achish and Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel. This is very important. Pay attention to who he has with him. Nabal's widow. And when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. He's like, he's... They're probably going to kill him. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hunt him anymore. But, but David is now trusting his life and the life of his people with all of the Philistines. Uh, he's got his wives. They, they, some of them have children. They have all of their wealth and they're just, they're just there. And it says, then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day, Achish gave him Ziklag. Everybody say Ziklag. 
Great city name. I don't know why we don't name cities that anymore. Uh, Ziklag's going to be important. Just, just hold that in your mind. The, he's now asking to go to Ziklag. He says, therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. One year and four months. This is David's life. He goes to the king Achish at Gath. He's like, I shouldn't even live in this royal city. Why don't you give me one of the border towns that you've captured from Israel, Ziklag? Ziklag is right on the edge of Judah. It's in the desert area, um, and it's right on the edge of Judah. And and uh, he's like, just look, I'll, I'll I'll I will rule that city in your name, Achish. And so David is now in an Israel uh, uh, city that's being owned by the Philistines because of some recent war. Uh, and he's like, hey, I'm going to rule in your name. And he says, I'm going to do this in, in, in your honor of you. I'm going to serve you, king. And what we see is a very bizarre moment. Uh, because for all of Scripture that, that praises David for being king, uh, we don't really fully understand like, like how, how willing he was to go up against Saul. Because what he does right here is he... he he basically helps Achish for a while, but he does it without hurting his people. It says in verse 8, Now David and his men went up and made raids against the Gersherites, the Gizerites, the Amalekites, for these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as sure to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, oxen, donkeys, and camels, and the garments, and come back to Achish. David is attacking cities from inside Ziklag. He's going and attacking them, and he's not leaving anybody alive. Like we're not just talking like I snuck in and took your gold. He's he's like slaughtering people. Uh, he he takes them down, uh, but then he takes all their wealth, their sheep, their oxen, everything, and he takes it back with him. It says, when Achish asked, uh, where have you made a raid today? David would say, against the Negev of Judah, against the Negev of the somebody help me out here, Jeramelites, Jeramelites, uh, or against the Negev of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking, lest they should tell about us and say, so David has done. Did you notice that the cities that he told Achish that he was attacking weren't the cities that he was actually attacking? David's plan up to this point is to attack the enemies of Israel using the might of the Philistines. And then when he goes to the Philistines, he reports, oh, I attack the enemies of Philistines. And, you know, here's some stuff that I got from them. And his, his plan for a year and four months, it says, was to keep the secret by just slaughtering all the witnesses in between him and, and the, his plan is I can only be safe if I live this lie, this little sliver of moment. I'm not going to attack Israel, but I need him to think that I am. And I'm going to lie until, until he believes it. David is, he's willing to lie. He's willing to, he's willing to go to battle and just slaughter a lot of people. Um, he's, he's got, he's complex. That's, that's the best way of putting it. He's, he's in a scary moment and, and we, uh, We've been in scary moments too, and we are as well complex. And it says in verse 12, And Achish trusted David, thinking he has made himself an utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore, he shall always be my servant. Achish's mind at this moment, for a year and four months, David is hes just going off and slaughtering Saul's people. He's made himself an absolute stench. I'm trusting David. I want David to be on my side. I, I, want, I want him to, 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 to go to battle with us. And so what's about to happen? Um, if I can do a little foreshadowing. Achish gets so confident in David's loyalty to him is that Achish is going to mount an attack against Saul. 
and he's going to want to bring David along with him into battle because Saul must hate David. For a year and four months of doing this, Saul, Saul's going to hate this guy. Um, that will put David in a terribly complex situation. Can we agree on that? that it's almost like a lose-lose situation. That no matter what decision David did at that moment, the, the moment that he's recruited to fight against Saul, he's either going to betray the other two times he promised God and everyone else that he will not attack Saul, or he's going to betray his current king, his current lord, Achish, and no matter what Saul does, he's going to leave with his integrity demolished. He's in a lose-lose situation. While this is happening, though, there's another timeline that's happening. Because for a year and four months, uh, Saul is just like, I'm, I'm going to ignore David. But, but we're going to pick up in, in chapter 28, maybe one of the most bizarre chapters in the entire Bible. Um, and I, I say that with confidence, having read the entire Bible, that I think this may be one of the most bizarre stories. It says, in those days, this, those days being the days that David is with the Philistines, um, in those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. He says to David, you're coming with me. We're going to go fight Saul and you're coming with me. And David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. I got to love an air of confidence, right? You got this, man. You're about to find out, like, I'm about to throw down and you guys are going to see this. Like, you've never seen me fight, have you, Achish? You're about to, and you're going to like what you see. We're, we're going to do this. Uh, I wonder if in that moment, like a little, little lump came up in David's throat. I, I wonder if in that moment, David realized his lie is about to come crumbling down. I wonder if he felt the lose-lose situation he was about to enter into. Even though he's giving like that air of confidence, oh, you, yeah, I got this. And he gets to himself like, oh, what am I going to do? Am I, am I going to go up against, against the Lord? Or am I, going to, am, I, am I going to lose this fight? He's got to feel that, that pressure. For those of us in the room who, who we've, we've run into situations where we felt like there's no way to win, what do we do? We, we have choices. We can double down on the lie. Uh, we can... We can try to, to backpedal a little bit. Oh, I never said I would fight for you. I, uh, I, never, I never said I would, I would trust that person. I never said I would you know, do that business decision. We can try to backpedal. We can try to uh, backfill with logic. Well, obviously, you know, I know the other two times that Saul was in front of me, it wasn't, the Lord didn't want me to kill him then, but obviously the Lord is asking me to kill him now. And so we try to kind of rationalize and say what, what we knew the Lord didn't want us to do here, we're now going to rationalize so that the Lord is okay with it over here. What, what do we do in that situation? Because as far as all like human uh, understanding goes, if, if I'm just looking at David's story from David's perspective, I know if I turn here, it works out. But if I'm just looking at it right here in this chapter, I don't see a way for him to dig himself out of this. And if you have been in a situation where you were doing your best to follow the Lord, and maybe you compromise here and there, but, but you, you're just doing your best, and, and you got to a part where you didn't figure out a human way out of the situation, this this message is for you. Now Samuel had died, verse 3 says, and all Israel had mourned him. We talked about this last week and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. It says, the Philistines assembled and came, uh, excuse me, let's see. Uh, 
We'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel, and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. That should sound a lot like what it was like when he was looking at Goliath. Every time he looked at Goliath for 40 days, his, his heart would tremble, and he would shake at the knees. He didn't know what to do. And he's looking at the Philistines again, and he's having the same response. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, seek out for me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, behold, check this out. There is a medium at Endor. This is getting so wonky. See, because David is in a lose-lose situation and Saul looks at his situation. He doesn't see a way out of it either. Saul's solution was, I'm going to go talk to God for a second, real quick. I'm going to talk to a prophet. I'm going to pray. I don't feel like God's talking to me at all. I know what I should do. I should go talk to a psychic. <laughs> That's like the first thing that pops in his head. I need to go find a witch. I need to go find a medium of, of indoor. This is so wild to me. Because Saul has spent his entire career up to this point. He's, he's in his 70s at this point of the story. He's going to die the next day, by the way. Uh, and in his 70s, he continues what he's done his entire time, which is kind of softball a religious thing and then do whatever he wants. Softball a quick prayer and then go find a psychic. I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, God wants me to go slaughter those people. Uh, I'm going to take their stuff instead. Like he's constantly, constantly compromising and then trying to backfill it with religious things. And so now he's in this situation. He too, just like David, is in a lose-lose situation. He can't find a way out of it. And he compromises. He says, I know what I need. I need a psychic. And so he goes to this medium of Endor. You should read the rest of the chapter. It's so bizarre. Uh, she, one, first of all, he's like, hey, I need a medium. Immediately, one of his guys is like, we've got one at Endor. You, you may not know this, but Endor is like right in the middle of Israel. This isn't like some outskirts. He didn't have to travel anywhere. He's supposed to have gotten rid of all these people. How does one of your guys who lives with you, who works for you, knows immediately where to go? for? It's like it's like you just deciding tomorrow. It's like, you know what? I need some cocaine. Anybody know where to get cocaine? He's like, I got a guy. You know, like, like somebody right here just immediately was ready. Like, how did you have that information so quickly? I need a, I need a medium. Oh, we've got one in indoor. All right, let's go. And they go, they go to indoor. And so he, 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 he dresses up. He pretends to be somebody else. And he talks to this, this woman who's supposed to be able to talk to dead people. And he says, I need you to talk to a dead person. And they have a little dialogue. He's like, who do you need? He's like, I know who I need. I need to find someone who's a man of God. I need Samuel. He calls his buddy Samuel. The last time he talked to Samuel, you may remember, uh, he didn't do what God wanted him to do. And Samuel just was like, God's about to rip the kingdom out of your hands, man. He's done with you being king. He's about to put someone better than you. And they parted ways and they never talked to each other again. We know that Saul was at his funeral, but they never talked again. And he's so desperate to hear from the Lord. He wants Samuel to come back from the dead and talk to him. And so the, the witch, the, the medium, she does her, her thing. And it says, it says that, uh, uh, Samuel does show up, which is the bizarre part of the story. Uh, but she screams. She sees the ghost of Samuel like, ah, if you're raising people from the dead on the regular, you think, you think you'd like, that'd be just a normal like day at work, right? Oh, it's another ghost. No, she sees a ghost. Like, it works. You know, and, and, and Samuel says, Saul, why'd you bother me? And, and Saul's like, Hey, I just want to know what God wants me to do, bro. You've your entire life. You've never wanted to do what God wanted to do. This is no different. 
You're going to go do whatever you want. And I tell you what, you're going to die tomorrow. Bye. And he just leaves. He just, he just tells Saul he's going to die tomorrow. So Saul was so shaken by this news, he couldn't eat. He couldn't drink. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything. And so, so we, get, we get to the, the point of the message. And I've, like the entire introduction was, is like the whole time that we have for it. In, in chapter 29, I'll skip all of 29, but chapter 29, as this moment with the, the medium of indoors happening, those David has lived with the Philistines for a year and four months without flaw. All of a sudden, the people turned on him. All of a sudden, they remember, hey, isn't he that guy who had the song? Isn't, isn't he the guy who killed 200 men and brought trophies back to his wife? Isn't he the guy who killed our guy, Goliath? I don't trust him. I don't want him to be in battle. And so they forced Achish to kick him out again. I know that it works out for David back here, but in that moment, how confused are you? You're just constantly like, why am I getting kicked out now? I'm getting kicked out right now. I'm about to go to battle with Saul. I, I've got to go back. And so he goes to, he goes back to Ziklag. And as, as he's going back to Ziklag, he, he, he rounds the corner, probably defeated, probably confused. And there's smoke coming out of the city. Because while Saul was talking to the medium of Endor, the Amalekites attacked Ziklag, took all of the wives, took all of the children, took all of the wealth of David and his men, and they left, captured them as slaves. It says in uh, chapter 30, verse 1, it says this. It says, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. There's that place. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but they carried them off and went their way. Could you imagine walking into that? For a year and four months, your wives and children, your people have been safe. And now it's like, you're confused. What is the Lord doing right now? Why am I getting kicked out of my, they don't trust me anymore. This is ridiculous. And you round the corner, it's like, where are my wives? Where, where are my kids? He's got 600 men who have been trusting him to protect their people and to protect their stuff. And it's all burned down. You don't know right away that, that they were captured, but it's terrifying. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons, daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. You've ever had a day like that? It's not just a day where you cried. It's a day where you cried until the tears stopped flowing. You would still make cry noises, but the tears are, are no more. They are broken. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. They are done following him. His people are about to kill him. Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. If you have your Bible uh, in front of you and you're just of the type to highlight and underline things, I would invite you to underline that last word, that last sentence. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Here's the difference between David and Saul, both in lose-lose situations, both in situations that it's chaotic, both in situations where they don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, and it's very likely it's going to hold more bad news. One of them runs to a witch because he can't think of anything better. And David, who has been following the Lord up to this time, up to this time finds strength in himself in the Lord his God. This is a good word for you and I. Because one of these guys uh, makes it through the lose-lose situation and the other one doesn't. The one who makes it through is the one who trusts the Lord. 
Uh, I'm going to quickly read the next four verses and then we'll, we'll land the plane. Uh, chapter, uh, same chapter, 30, verse 16. They've, they've gone and they've got to, they've got to find, uh, the people got to find the wives. We got to go capture them. He goes to the Lord and he prays like, God, do you want me to chase them down or do you want me to leave them? And God's like, yeah, go, go get them. I want you to go get them. And so David goes, and this is where he finds them. Verse 16. And when he had taken them down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing. I wonder what they're eating. They're eating David and his people's food. They're drinking, they're dancing. Because of all the great spoil that uh, they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down. How long did it take, guys? David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. This guy just, he's mad. (laughs) He goes to town on them. And it says, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. So I don't know how many it was total. But Bible's like only 400 got away, which seems like a large number to me. Uh, but, you know, David has been, been swinging his weapons around from twilight until night the next day or dawn the next day. Uh, I guess, I guess that's a lot of people. And it says David, uh, recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought it all back. David also captured all the flocks and herds and the people drove the livestock before him. And they said, this is David's spoil. I, I like that as people are like back on his side again. Like just four verses before, they're ready to kill the guy for, for letting him down. And now they're like riding his cattle into town. It's like, this is David's. Nobody touched this. It's his. We're going to take care of him. Here's, that's, that's all we'll, we'll read for today. Um, here's, here's why I wanted to highlight this as the, the end. Because this day that David is all preoccupied, this day that is completely chaotic, this day that all he's been doing is trying to trust the Lord and now he's kicked out of the Philistines and then he gets home and his wives and everybody's going, that day looks terrible because all David can see is that day. Your day, whenever you're going through that, it looks terrible because all you can see is that day. But do you know that same day Saul is on the other side of town and he's in war and he gets killed in that war? You see, in God's sovereignty, it seems to be that that David is distracted away from the lose-lose situation. He has to handle the right here, the right now, while, while Saul loses to the Philistines over here. If David wasn't busy, he would have been over here having to choose, do I fight for Saul or do I try to kill Saul? Both of them are big, big problems for following the Lord. Saul will die in battle. Uh, it's an interesting death. Uh, he gets wounded by an arrow and he turns to his armor bearer. He's like, they're going to do something terrible to my body. Please kill me. And his armor bearer is like, uh-uh, you're crazy, man. I'm not, like, what am I supposed to do? Go tell the people that you told me to kill you? No, I'm not, I'm not going to touch you. Uh, and so, and so he tries to kill himself. He falls on his own spear, it says, uh, to, to kill himself. And it looks like he's dead. Uh, but if you look at the next book, it opens with an Amalekite coming and telling David, like, I was just there in this guy. He's like, he had a spear wound and an arrow wound. It was the king. He asked me to kill him. And I was like, yeah, I will. Uh, I, so I did. I killed him. And David's like, who do you think you are raising your hand against the Lord's anointed? And David executes the Amalekite for doing this thing. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm done. But David becomes king and, uh, he succeeds. One last kind of, uh, nugget of, of, uh, truth is, uh, the Amalekites, interestingly enough. Uh, 15 years before it, Saul was supposed to wipe out the Amalekites. And because he didn't, God promised to remove the kingdom from 
his hands and give it to David. Now, 15 years later, David is being distracted because those same people have captured his wives. Uh, and now David uh, ends up completing uh, what his forerunner did not. It would be really easy to be just like David's friends and to just worship the circumstances that you're in, the God of the circumstances. The circumstances look bleak for everybody. And those who saw the circumstances for where they were, like, I can't, there's no way to win this and not just make terrible decisions. Here, here's uh, a lesson from David I think, I think that we can walk away from. So from our perspective, David's life looks safe because we can see the next chapter. We know how it's going to end. But from David's perspective, his life must have been extremely confusing with moments of uncertainty uh, and cries of desperation. You know that there are nights when he's crying in disbelief of what God's doing. You know that because we have them recorded in the book of Psalms where he's just crying out like, God, what are you doing? It looks chaotic in the moment, but that's because we can't see the next chapters. If we could see the next chapters, if David could see the next chapters, he would know like, oh, I've become king. It all works out in the end. God's got this. God is sovereign. He knows he is on the throne. He knows what he's doing. David turned to the Lord when it looked like there was no reason to. They're like, what, what, God, what can God do? It's impossible for even God to do something. Yet God worked it out. I want to ask you a question. Um, do you worship the God of your circumstances? Or do you worship the God that is revealed in Scripture? Because the God of your circumstances, you, you're, you're finite. You're stuck in today's chapter with whatever it is. And it becomes difficult to see that he's going to work it out, that he's, he's faithful to you all the days of your life. The songs that we were singing at the beginning, that he, he has seen David through and he's seen you through to this moment. He has been God on the throne since before you were born. Is that the God that we're trusting, we're worshiping? Or do we just look at our circumstances and see how impossible they are and we give up? Our circumstances, good or bad, are terrible measures of God because we have a limited perspective. But we have a God who has proven himself faithful time and time again. And the history of following him, those of you who have been following the Lord for a while can remember, God's been good. God's got me through that. God's got me through that. And God got David through an impossible situation. And he became king, just like God had said. God will get you through it too. Trust the God that is revealed in Scripture. Not what your best friend is saying, like, oh, maybe God wants you to kill that guy. Yeah, that's a terrible friend. Uh, don't trust the God of your circumstances. What seems so obvious to you right now uh, God, God's, God's got something else working out. He knows, he knows what he's doing. Let me pray, and then we'll watch the queue uh, together. Father, we come to you uh, collectively, um, thanking you for your faithfulness. Uh, you've been faithful to us individually uh, in so many ways that we're, we're not even aware. Uh, I even hesitate to ask God, would you show us more of that faithfulness? We, we may be overwhelmed uh, to see it, to, to know. Uh, Lord, you've been faithful to our families. You've been faithful to this church. God, help us to trust your faithfulness next time it's in question. Help us to trust your faithfulness the next time chaos comes. Give us the strength to remember that you've been good all the days of our lives. Why would tomorrow be any different? Father, help us to trust you. Help us to walk in that faithfulness as, as David did. And uh, help us to see the next chapter unfold and not just give up and make terrible choices as a result. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.